Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now, let's get started creating this military cash flow. Craig Curlop, we got you on the show today. Uh, thank you so much for coming on uh, Military Cash Flow, sharing some value with us. Um, would you mind please telling our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you're from, and what you're doing? For sure, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, I guess to start, uh, my name is Craig Curlop. I'm located in the greater Denver area. Um, you know, my whole journey started with an obsession over achieving financial independence at an early age. So I pretty much did everything that I could to get there. Uh, I started off with a house hack um, back in 2017, and now I am five house hacks in. Got a bunch of other rental properties as well, uh, actually out in North Carolina where Mike is at. Uh, and, and some other stuff as well. And, uh, you know, so I've, I've been financially independent now for a couple of years. Once I've hit that financial independence mark, uh, that's when I decided to take a little bit of a risk because I felt like I could take a risk, right? Like when you're financially independent, I no longer need a paycheck to survive. So I went out and started my own real estate team to help other people uh, kind of achieve the same goals that I have through, you know, we coach, guide, and mentor people through house hacking. And that's, that's what the five team is. Dude, that's awesome, man. I love just the, the quick summary of your story. Now let's get into the details, man. Cause I know that people want to know one, let's start off with, uh, what, where did your journey with money and how was your, what was your introduction into FI? Right. And then I'll get into like, we uh, would love to know like your definition of FI and what that means for any of the audience that are just unfamiliar with that. So I know that was like a five-part question, but <laughs> for sure. No, I'm used to answering those, you know, it's like a history books back in the day. Um, yeah. So I first learned about financial independence back in 2016 is when I first discovered it. I was, I was reading Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour work week. And he talks about thinking about your income and your expenses on a monthly basis versus an annual basis, which you know, when people ask you how much money you make, you say, you know, $70,000 a year, right? You never say $5,000 a month, right? And so that was just more digestible. And once he said that, hey, once your passive income exceeds your expenses, you no longer are required to work, right? And now anyone who's going to achieve financial independence at a young age is likely not going to just stop working, right? Like there's a certain fire, a certain drive and a certain set of discipline that you need to scratch and itch and exercise, Um when you know when you achieve financial independence at a young age um and so yeah back in 2016 i read that book i was in silicon valley at the time uh working in the venture capital world so the path to financial independence was building a business right an entrepreneurial venture and i had like four or five really really cruddy ideas and after realizing that man i don't need to be like a billionaire right i can just own a handful of rental properties and 90 percent of the world's millionaires are own real estate so hey like just do what's tried and true, right? So that's when I found Bigger Pockets, um, and I just started getting absorbed into Bigger Pockets. I was watching their webinars, listening to their podcasts, reading their books, like just being obsessed with Bigger Pockets. And in 2017, I actually got a job at Bigger Pockets, right? So after six months of listening to them and basically 
like living bigger pockets, I got a job there. And that's when kind of my life hit a pretty big inflection point. That was when I could actually hang out with some of the, some of the big dogs and have a little bit of credibility. And that's when I got my first house hack. Dude, that's awesome. That's such a, such a great story, man. Like how, how did you, so, all right. So you got introduced to, uh, to Fi and understanding through Tim Ferriss's book. Um, and then you were already working in the venture capital capital space. And I know there's a lot, there's typically a lot of money to be made, especially if you're talking about the Silicon, Silicon Valley. Right. So, and then from there going to bigger pockets, how did that transition work? Cause it seems like you had a light bulb, a light bulb switch. Right. And then you're like, uh, I mean, I'm assuming you had a, a higher income in Silicon Valley than you did when you switched over to work for bigger pockets, because if it was in 2017, they were pretty big but they weren't like, you know, bigger pockets now. Right. So yeah, how was sure. that? Can, can you talk us through that and what that looked like for you? Yeah. So back in Silicon Valley, um, you know, I was making over hundred grand a year, like all in, if you include like the 401k max and everything, probably about $115,000 a year, which is a phenomenal salary for a 22 year old right out of college. Right. I think most people would take that, but I was miserable. I was working, you know, 60, at least 60 hours a week, many weeks closer to 80 to hundred. And so if you do the dollar per hour value, I'm actually not making that much. Right. And so, you know, I just really, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was when I was um, with my girlfriend at the time in, in big Sur, and we had a beautiful weekend. It was amazing. Uh, but there's no service down there. So I get an email on my phone. So the night when I get back that I have to finish up this memo by 8 a.m. Eastern time, which was 5 a.m. Pacific. So that whole night I was whole Sunday night. I was freaking doing this memo and she was upset and I was upset. And I'm like, man, like if this is what, if this is like a preview of the rest of my life, if I continue in this field and grow, then I, I don't want it. Like unsubscribe, you know, like I, I don't want this lifestyle. Uh, and so that's, that's really like the, the tipping point that got me into thinking about, okay, how do I get out? And that was Tim Ferriss's book. Uh, that transition from applying to bigger pockets. I did this like trip in South America and I like found myself and did all that, you know, fun stuff. Um, and that was when I was like, all right, like when I get back, I am hardcore applying to jobs. So I applied to 250 jobs in one weekend 249 were actually in Florida and one was in Colorado, which is where bigger pockets is. And so obviously I could not pass up a bigger pockets opportunity. Uh, and so when I talked to uh, Scott, who at the time is now the CEO of bigger pockets, but um, at the time was the operations manager and he was in charge of hiring me. He basically told me like, you will make less money this year. Like I made, uh, so I went from making 115,000 to $65,000 when I started at bigger pockets. But however, like, he's like, I think you're going to get a lot more opportunity here where you have, you know, a pathway to make a lot more. And I'm like, all right. I mean, that's fair. Like I could totally see that. So I went ahead, I took a huge pay cut, right? 115 to 65,000. That's almost half my salary um, to start working at bigger pockets. And not only was I working only like 40 hours a week, actually I, I put an extra time, but I was only required to work 40 hours a week. Um, but I actually enjoyed what I was doing. And I felt like I was actually helping people. And I felt like I was, you know, changing people's lives. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that, I guess, like, was, was the big transition. Oh, that's, that's awesome, dude. Like, so went to, uh, you say you went to South America and found yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. I'll let you guys infer as to what yeah, that I got means. You. Yeah. I got you, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you went there and you, you snuck out, you found that opportunity and you started going from there. So um, from there, I'm assuming that helped you get into your first house hack, right? Um, 
now when you're when you're involved are your um i guess kind of networking and talking with people like scott trench and the whole bigger pockets team because obviously everyone there is real estate oriented right um why, why the house hack and and not like you know something else I mean, i'm just curious for sure. Yeah. So I think um, most people see, like, think like working at bigger pockets, like everyone just talks about real estate all day and they're just like masterminding and stuff. It's actually not the case. Like they're growing a really a tech business. And so there, there was real estate talk, but not as much, like more than a traditional job, but not like as much as everyone thinks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I went the house hacking route because again, I was at the time I was 24 years old and I didn't have a whole lot of money, right. I maybe had 30, 40, $50,000, which is a lot of money to some people, but like that's enough in Denver for a low percent down payment. So I could really only afford five, three to 5% down. So that's what I did, right? I, I bought a property for three to 5% down. I used about, you know, 20,000 of what I had saved up to purchase this house. And the magic of house hacking is that you can purchase it with such a little bit of money. And that's where your cash on cash return comes from, right? Leverage. I mean, yeah, exactly right. So I, I put $20,000 down. I mean, and I probably cash flowed, you know, $12,000 in that first year. That's over a, that's like a 60% cash on cash return. Not to mention the appreciation in the taxes, the tax savings and the loan pay down. You know, you're talking of a, you know, a return of well over hundred percent every single time when you do a house hack. So yeah, for, for a beginner, it, by all, it's like, there's no other strategy that I think makes more sense. Exactly. Excellent. Yeah. I love the house hack method. Now, when you did do the house hack, right. I'm assuming those you and your girlfriend, did you guys do a single family? Did you do, do a duplex or like, what did that look like for you? See, my first house hack was a duplex. Cause at the time, no one really knew about rent by the room. Like the only way to house hack was a duplex. Yeah, Airbnb and wasn't really like, I think uh, it wasn't like as mainstream it was, as it is right now. Right. Yeah. It wasn't, it was definitely around, but it wasn't popping. Um, and so it was, so I lived in the downstairs rented out the upstairs. And so my, my mortgage payment on that first property was like $2,000 and I was only making 1750 from the upstairs. So I wasn't quite covering and I really, really, really wanted to cover. So I actually, uh, Airbnb out my bedroom and I slept in the living room, like behind a curtain <laughs> in a, in a, like a cardboard box or whatever. And, uh, I made $1,100 a month off of my bedroom. Love it. So, love it. Yeah. So what I want to really emphasize there, right, is the power of house hacking, right? We have a, most of our audience are, are service members, right? And we, we try to really preach using that VA loan with 0% down, similar to, the, I'm assuming you use an FHA loan, right? Yeah. The same exact concept, but you put 0% down. So it's even more of a cash on cash, it's literally 100% cash on cash return pretty much uh, immediately. But um, preaching the same exact thing, buying a duplex and living on one side and then you know, uh, cash flowing off the other side. And then we even get paid uh, what's called basic uh, ho housing allowance or basic allowance for housing, PAH, um, for for finding a place to live off post, right? Um, so we we get to reduce our living expenses by, by renting out the other side. And then also we get paid and get to keep our BAH, which is an awesome thing. So what did that look like for you? Or what, what, how much did that change your financial position once once you started house hacking? You no longer had to pay um, pay for you know, most what most people would say is their most expensive monthly expense, right? What did that oh, look for like sure. for you? Yeah, so I mean, I was living pretty cheap before. I think I was living for six hundred dollars a month um, in, a, in a room. Yeah, in, like in Colorado. <laughs> yeah, I got I got a steal, right? Like you you couldn't find that. Honestly, it was like it was such a steal. Um, but really, you know, that actually my 
my real living sense was probably about a thousand dollars a month. Like if I were to actually not, like if I wasn't, didn't find this fluke deal. Um, and so let's just say a thousand dollars a month. Plus I went from, so I went from spending what would probably be about a thousand dollars a month to making $600 a month in living for free. Right. So that's a $1,600 difference. Uh, and so, I mean, that's obviously significant, right? That's like almost 20 grand a year. Um, and so that right there is your savings for your next house hack. Right. I mean, that's how you, that's how you build it. That's how you grow it. Exactly. It's kind of like a compounding interest a little bit, right? Like the, oh, way, for sure. the way the money grows. That's awesome. So you just parlay that into a few, few more house hacks. Right. And then, um, so, so did you wait the one year? Cause that's another thing that a, a lot of people are uh, asking questions about. What did that look like for you? The space in between the first one and then the second one, third, fourth, and fifth, like what did that look like for you? Yeah. So I call that the lull period. Um, and it happens a lot like if you're still working in W2 and you just got your first one and it's all settled, especially if it's more turnkey. Cause yeah, I had that thing rented in a month and, and Airbnb was set up in a month. And I was like, shoot, I got like 10 more months so I can buy my next one. Like what, what do I do now? And so basically what I did was I worked really hard at my job to make sure that I got my bonus at the end of the year. I asked my employer at bigger pockets. I asked, I asked Scott, I said, Hey, is there any projects that I can do that's outside of my current like job description outside of my current scope of work that would make the company money that I could potentially get like a bonus for, right? Like a spot bonus. And he thought about it and he was like, yeah, you can create landlord forms for all 50 States and we'll pay you $500 per state. And I was like, okay. So I went in and I literally, like the landlord forms are still a bigger pocket site. And I created all those um, and created all of those with, you know, contacted a lawyer in all 50 states and we got the landlord forms reviewed and looked at. And then he, I got 25 grand from it. Dude, right? talk about adding value, dude. That is yeah. awesome, man. That's a great way to think outside of the box, man. How can you add value to your organization and return that brings something to you? And I'm sure you learned a lot through that process as well, right? How many oh, attorneys... Sure. Did you, did you talk to different attorneys throughout different states? And you eventually invested in, I'm curious, I'm, I know you eventually invested in North Carolina with your uh, couple of rental properties. Did you use any of those attorneys that you talked to or did you, did you, you know, continue to, to use them? No, I didn't actually use them. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. It was, it's, not the, it's not the love story that you wanted. Uh, um, I just, honestly, I, I found uh, Mike and the Five Pillars team yeah. and I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to use whoever you guys use because you got your shit dialed, so. You know, Mike's a monster and Shelby, the whole yeah. five pillars team. Shout out to yeah. them, man. They're freaking awesome, yeah. dude. Love those guys. Excellent. Okay. So um you, you did the parlay, you did the uh the um you waited 12 months and then you did another house hack. You had that low, low period that you talked about. And and I think that's like the most important time, really. That's like very little, it, it's it's not talked about often, right? Like how important that time is because you know, you kind of really get to, to sit and, and reflect on what you're doing and then also strategize your next move, right? Which is mm -hmm. extremely important for how you're mapping this thing out, right? So, yeah. So, I mean, I guess like I can, I can, I can explain a little bit more about what I did in that, in that lull time too, because that wasn't the only thing, right? That was just my, my job, bigger pockets, right? But I also had time outside of bigger pockets because like I said, I was like aggressive as all hell. Um, and so I also rented my car out on Toro, which is like the Airbnb. I'm sure people know Toro by now, but if you don't know, it's like the Airbnb for cars. People can just come and rent your car. I was uh, biking and walking distance from work and biking and walking distance from grocery stores and all that. So I would pretty much just bike everywhere. Um, and I was also doing Airbnb arbitrage with a buddy. So I was paying my buddy, uh, I forget the amount, like maybe $2,000 a month to rent his downtown condo. And I would put it up on Airbnb and, you know, probably make three or four rand a month from it. 
Nice, nice. So you're just being creative, man. You're using those creative juices um, and just going with everything, dude. You talked about Airbnb. We talked about house hacking. We talked about freaking um, Toro all in like this low period, right? Mm -hmm. Talking about math and and forgot about the all 50 states. Like <laughs> I know someone listening has been on Bigger Pockets and used those land, <laughs> landlord forms, right? You know, yeah. so it, we're just we're just using those creative juices as however you can, you know, to add value and uh, continue to to you know build wealth. That's that's great, man. I think everyone listening can definitely take a uh, take note of that, run that piece, and and take note of that, and kind of think about how you can add value to whatever organization um, that you're in, um, or how can you use some of the things you have to generate more income, right? Like we talked about that spare car, Toro, or if you can walk to work or whatever you can do in your situation. That's, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. It's just like, how, how can you turn your, you know, like Robert Kiyosaki calls, you know, assets are things to put money in your pocket. Liabilities are what takes money out of your pocket. So how can you turn your liabilities into assets? Right. So I, that's what I did with my car. Uh, and that was pretty much probably the only thing that was consistently taking money out of my pocket. But um, yeah, that, that was kind of my mindset. Mm, mm, great. So um, let's talk five, man. Like, so we, we haven't actually had anyone on the show, like specifically talk to five. We know you got a podcast. That's the five team, right? It's a great podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, can you explain a little bit about what um, just what five means and then what, like, well, what the definition of five is, why it's important and like why other people should kind of pursue that? Yeah. So, so financial independence is the idea that you can support your lifestyle through your investments, through your passive income. So to some people that's stock dividends, to some people that's just like selling off their stock portfolio slowly, to some people that's rental income, right? I think rental income is the fastest way to get there. So that's the way that I pursued, right? Uh, and so once you're like, what there's kind of different tiers of financial independence or FI. There's base FI, which is like, okay, your basic needs are covered, right? So think three to $5,000 a month for most people is base financial independence. Then there's kind of like, comfortable fi right where it's like you're living a middle class lifestyle probably a hundred a hundred thousand dollars a year spending right and so that is base level fi and then there's what's called fat fire fat fire is like you can basically spend kind of whatever you want you really don't have to really worry about money anymore right and that's probably again that's different for different people but for us that's for me that's probably like 250 to five hundred thousand dollars a year of passive income now, what about barista fire man <laughs> What's barista fire? I uh, forget about this. Said barista yeah. fire is where when uh, you have enough you have enough income to quit whatever job you don't want, right? Um, and you just need a little bit to supplement, meaning you can go be a barista, right? Like you I only see. need to, you, you only need health that, insurance. So. Yeah, yeah, ex yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's that's a perfect way to do it. So yeah. for us, it would be called like I guess reservist fire, right? Like you just yeah. go be a reservist, get your health care, a little bit of income, and still be good to go. Yeah, there so, you go. Yeah, that's an excellent breakdown, man. Um, so what does that mean for you? What does FI mean for you? So FI, the reason why I was so adamant about achieving FI is that I think once, until you're financially independent, you are just living your life playing not to lose, right? You're going to work every day. And if you don't go to work every day, like you're literally, your life is in your boss's hands. If he fires you, what are you going to do? Right. And so that's really no way to live, right? A pandemic hits, a crash happens, you get laid off. Like, what do you do? What do you do to your family? And so I just think like one, there's a safety, a feeling of safety there. And it's like, you know, if, it, if it's men listening to this podcast or women, like your, your job is to, is to, you know, supply for your family. And if you lose your job and you can't supply for your family, like you're not being the man that you were born to be. Right. And so that's a, a big 
a big piece of it for me. Uh, secondly is once you can stop playing not to lose and you achieve financial independence, at least base level financial independence, you can then go out and be an entrepreneur. Right. And you can go take bigger risks that other people can't take because they can't, they can't lose, right. They can't spend 10,000. They can't risk $10,000 and lose it and not, uh, and not, you know, again, still be able to like survive. Whereas like when you're based financial independent and you have maybe a little bit of a nest egg, all right, I'm going to go try this $10,000 venture. I'm going to go spend $10,000 to open up a new business. And that $10,000 could then turn into a million dollars in a year or two. Right. Uh, and that's like kind of what I did, right? Like my, my net worth and my earnings exploded once I quit my W2 job and you'll see it. Like you, you can go look up, like what are the highest paying jobs? You're going to see it. Doctor, lawyer, engineer, all this stuff. But like the top level is entrepreneur because it's infinite. Right. All right. Let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our military cash flow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one -on -one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. And with that said, let's get back into this episode. Um, I think that's crucial because you're hundred percent right, man. Like if, if you're just barely getting by, you can't, you can't afford to take any risks because any risk means like loss of livelihood. Right. So as soon as you get beyond that and actually have a little bit of money to then invest into something, something like, like an entrepreneurial journey, then your, your net worth can explode. Like you can definitely put more into, uh, into doing other things, like generating more income. Right. Um, what did that look like for you? Because obviously we know that you, you started a realty firm, right? Or you started mm -hmm. uh, a realty team. What did that look like for you? And what did that, what did that risk look like for you? For sure. Yeah. So um, I, I achieved financial independence. Um, I think I officially hit it in 2019 and I tested that by basically maxing out my 401k by taking a $0 paycheck. Uh, for three months. And so I just put all my money into my 401k and I figured, Hey, at the end of these three months, if my checking account is larger, I'm financially free. If not, well, I just maxed in my 401k and I'm almost financially free. Right. Cause I knew I was almost there. Uh, and so when I, after those three months, when I realized my, my checking account was larger, I was like, damn, I'm financially free. Right. And so at that point I was starting to take on real estate clients by myself and I was making, you know, 20 grand a month doing real estate transactions. And that was just two people a month. Whereas, so, you know, quick math, that's about $240,000 a year where I was making $86,000 a year at bigger pockets at the time. And so like no brainer, right. I'm literally making three times more 
doing this part-time thing? What if I did it full-time? So it was like a risk, but it really wasn't that big of a risk. Cause I was like, man, even if I like, don't do any more transactions, I'm still better off. And I just freed up 40 hours of my week. All right. Well, turns out that I ended up doing a lot more transactions that year. Uh, and so that this is 2020 now is when I quit. Uh, I ended up doing almost hundred transactions that year. And, um, and I was about at the level of burnout. I was like, dude, I just, I like, can't do this anymore. Like I either have to quit and I could right? I mean, I had probably like a million bucks. Like I was like, I could quit. I could go travel the world. I could, I could totally live like a lean fi lifestyle and be pretty frugal. Or I could, well, actually I couldn't travel the world because COVID happened, but, um, or I could like double down, right? I could start building a real estate team. And I have all these clients, a hundred clients or so that I worked with that are super passionate about real estate. They want to help other people and many of them get their license. And so now we've got a hand, we've got like 20 agents on our team, all of whom have house hacked before. They, so they coach, guide and mentor, you know, the next generation of house hackers. And they, they're like given that handhold uh, so that, you know, people can feel comfortable with the biggest decision of their lives. And, and that has really taken off. That's been we, you know, we've been doing this for over almost a year now. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been going good and we love it. Excellent, man. What's been the challenges, man? Where are some, some of the key takeaways? Uh, in the team building or in what aspect? Both. So like we talked about um, the house hacking and then also the team building, just mainly, mainly I'm curious about just taking that leap of, of uh, into entrepreneurship, right? But what are the lessons learned for you and let's, let's just stick with that, with the uh, jumping into entrepreneurship. Yeah. So one of the biggest lessons that I learned was, um, and I'm, I'm still learning it, is that when you first start out, you're like pretty cheap, right? Like you're doing everything yourself. You're building your own website. You're answering your emails, doing the calendar. Like, like, like you check every single box. And then, and so because you can do it yourself, you think that you should do it yourself. And it actually limits you, right? Because you're not staying in your zone of genius, and so as I became more and more entrepreneurial, I was like, okay, like I really shouldn't be doing this, showing the houses and writing the contracts anymore. I'm working with too many people. I am no longer the best person to do that job. So I hired my agents, I trained them, and now they are infinitely better than me, right? And so that is one thing that I, I let go, right? I hired a bookkeeper, I hired a marketing person, hired social media, you hired an assistant. And so now my, my zone of genius in, in my opinion is like content creation, right? So coming on podcasts like this, we have our own podcast doing TikToks and Instagrams and, and making videos and all that kind of stuff. Like that's where the zone of genius is. And that's, I think my biggest money-making um, uh, activities. And don't get me wrong, like I'm still building systems for the team, right? We're trying to make the team run smoothly while also growing it. And so that's kind of where I am at. Taking yourself out of the business, basically. Building the yeah. system to operate by itself by taking yourself out of the business and just kind of looking at that thousand foot level or that 2000 foot level and kind of moving pieces from there. That's right. Excellent. Okay. So we talked about, um, talked about financial independence. Um, we talked about building your team and then, um, what we haven't talked about, uh, the Phi team, the actual podcast, right? So I'm curious, where did that come in? Where did that come into play? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you can okay, okay. redo that. Yeah, that's good. So we talked about um, we talked about the Phi team. Uh, excuse me. We talked about the um, the real estate. We talked about jumping into entrepreneurship, right, and building the real estate team. 
Um, what about the Phi Team podcast, right? Where did that come into play and how does that factor into everything that you've created, uh, you know, so far? Yeah, so the Phi Team podcast has actually gone through kind of a, an evolution. Uh, it started off as kind of just a lead generation source for a real estate team. It was me and another agent and we were just talking real estate. However, it's kind of transitioned into, you know, um, he ended up, you know, it ended up not working out with my first partner on the, now we got um, another partner who's amazing. Her name is Ziana McIntyre. You may have heard of her. Um, and so we are now just like, kind of just like this one, right? We just want to hear people's journeys through financial independence because everyone's got a different journey and everyone's at a different spot on their journey, right? And so someone may have done it through real estate. Someone may have done it through stocks. We, we tend to talk mostly about real estate, but some people have a hundred units and some people have one. Right. And so it's just like, where are you in your journey? How did you get there? And everyone's journey is different. And hopefully you can just like take some ideas from them. Um, and yeah, we're actually transitioning this, transitioning the podcast and rebranding it. So by the time this airs, uh, it actually may be called Investify. That's the new name. So yeah, Investify. definitely come check it out. All right. Excellent. Yeah. I, lo I love what you're doing there because um, while well, I listened to the, the Mindy Kaling uh, episode and, and uh, if you guys don't know, she's part of Bigger Pockets. She runs the, the Money Show podcast, which I listened to that as well. So it's pretty interesting. She never really talks a lot about herself so when you you know kind of break down her journey it's it's pretty cool to, to see a different side of someone right which i'm yeah. sure like someone listening to this would be like oh man i didn't know that about craig you know i listened to the Phi team or the uh investify right and invest to Phi, yeah investify and i didn't know that this was his actual journey right so um i really like that um we talked about um uh talked about the the transition uh, into the podcast and how you first started it. And it was just, it was really just a lead generation thing. And it's morphed into something bigger, right? It's morphed into something bigger. And all those stories, all these interviews that you're having, um, they're from people with different walks of life um, and different parts of their investing journey. One thing I really like about it is because, I mean, you all of them are, are pretty much relatable, right? You, you can you can relate to a certain part of someone's journey, regardless of who it is. Um, that's one thing I love about bringing other people on because there's something here, there's somebody listening that can can really relate to your stories. Like, man, I was there too. Oh man, I'm at that point. And just like you talked about giving uh, specific ideas, man. Now, that's one thing I love about podcasts myself, just meeting some pretty cool people. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it's always good times, man. <laughs> oh yeah, love that. I love that too. Yeah, so I got one question for you. Um, one thing I meant to ask back when we were talking about you getting to financial freedom. Did you go back and like reverse engineer what financial freedom looked for uh, looked like for you before you actually started on that journey? Or were you just kind of going and was like, hey, man, this is, this is uh, financial freedom for me. I know this is it right here because I'm living off of my investments, basically. Yeah, I mean, my like initial number was 3,000 a month. And then you got there and you're like, well, it's kind of, it's kind of cutting it close. So then it like increases to 5,000. And then you're like, okay, like 5,000 works, but like, well, 10,000 would be nice, right? Like the goalpost keeps moving. Tell and us how so, to reverse engineer that. How do, how do we, if someone's listening, actionable steps, right? And I want to get to five. Yeah. What do what, what do I do to reverse engineer? Let's say if I'm using real estate and then let's say if I'm using uh, stocks. Okay. Yeah. So a, a good way to reverse engineer it is um, if you're not, let's assume you, you don't do anything with your finances, you're just spending money, right? So uh, I'm hoping that you don't use like cash too often to spend money. And so what you can do is just download your credit card statement uh, so for like the last 12 months, sum up the total, and that's your annual 
that's your annual expenses for the year. You know, divide that and make sure you do that for your, you know, your checking account and basically take all your bank accounts, get all the information, make sure you remove all of the income sources and just only have the expense sources. Add them up, divide them by 12. That's your monthly, that's your monthly target, right? That's what your monthly target is. And so let's say it's $4,000. And so then you're like, okay, how many properties is it going to take me to get $4,000 in passive income? And so if it's $500 a property, you know, it's going to take you eight properties to get to you know, $4,000, right? That, that's, that's one way. Um, the second way is what's called the 4% rule or yeah, the 4% rule. 25%, 4%. 25 yeah, 20 or 25, 25% say 25x or 4%, but either yeah, way, same thing. Yeah, same thing. 25x 4% rule. And so what that says is that basically like you should have X number, like let's say, so if you're spending is, you know, if you're spending is $4,000 a month, let's just say it's $40,000 a year for ease of math. Um, so you're spending is $40,000 a year. And, and, and so if you multiply that 40,000 times 25, right, you're going to get a million. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, uh, and so basically it, what it says is you need to have a, a million dollars in your stock portfolio to uh, to spend $4,000 a month and have a highly likelihood of not running out of money, right? They did this thing called the Trinity study back in the late 90s, I think. And what that is, is they, they took, you know, massive, lots of people's accounts and they said, and they looked at it over the course of 30 years. And they said, if you had, you know, if you spent 4% of your entire nest egg in your, that account, uh, there's a 95% chance that you won't run out of money, right? And so those are pretty good odds to take. Obviously, there's a 5% chance that, that you could. And obviously, that was a, over a 30-year period, right? Over a 60-year period, it may be a little bit more risky, right? So you may want to scale that back maybe to a 3%, right? So there's different rules for different people. But um, I think the 4% rule is, again, good enough. Excellent, excellent, excellent excellent explanation. Um, so <clears throat> I particularly like um, the reverse engineering strategy. I, I've talked... I've, I've discussed that several times as like the first step to fire, right? Like finding out what you actually spend and then set your target, right? Because you need those goals sometimes to like really put you on the right trajectory. If you don't know where you're going, you're just kind of going, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, so exactly right. I absolutely love it. And um, using those property references, like, hey, you know, for the most part, single family homes probably going to cash flow anywhere between $300, $400, depending on your area. Obviously that changes, but you know, if you hit that benchmark and you just do that reverse engineering based off of how much you're spending per month, you can easily find out how many properties you need to then support your desired lifestyle, right? And I uh, exactly. love, love the Trinity study as well. So if you guys aren't familiar with it, definitely go look that up because uh, it's some great information and it, and it might really change the way that you, you think about, uh, about, what you need to invest, you might think you you might look at what you have in your stock portfolio, because I know there's a lot of people out there that TSPers and uh, 401ks and, you know, they're not doing real estate at all. They're only focused on uh, uh, like stocks and and stocks and things like that. So um, you might look at your portfolio and determine like, man, based off this, I probably need to kind of hike it up a notch or based off this, maybe I can slow it down and start to invest in some other things. So uh, that's, that's great. So uh, dude, I absolutely love your story, man. Like from, from the beginning to the end, it's just all perseverance and like using those creative juices to get things going, man. Like I, I love it, dude. It's Hell yeah, dude. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah. So uh, got a question for you. So any of our listeners out there, right. If you had one piece of advice to give them, that would help them uh, kind of get to their five journey, right? Or get or get to 
you know, start their fraud journey or, or like get them on the right trajectory? What would that one piece of advice be? Uh, I would just say, don't be afraid to get started um, because getting started is the hardest part. Like the mistakes you make are actually way easier than getting started because you can figure out your mistakes. And once you've made the mistake, you, you need to figure it out, right? Like, like you put yourself in a position, like put yourself in those, like you can't turn back situations and you will be very grateful that you did. Yeah, man. Burn the boat site. <laughs> yeah. Right. Jump off and burn, you know, burn the boat or burn the bridge or whatever. Yeah. Got you, man. Definitely. Um, how can our listeners get in contact with you? So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, we've got our own podcast. Um, again, depending on when this comes out, you can search it for the five team podcast, or it'll be called invest to fi like invest the number two fi. Um, and you know, you can hit me up on Instagram. I'm at the fi guy on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I mean, those are probably the best, the best two places to, to hit to hit me up. Yeah, man. It's, it's been awesome, man. Like uh love talking with you. You, you dropped a lot of nuggets. Um, I know there's some really relatable, uh, some people that are going to find this show extremely relatable um, and find some, um, some things that they can incorporate into whatever their ventures are, whether it be uh, real estate or, um, or just getting to FI in general, man. I, I think it's, it's really important. Um, yeah, I just really appreciate you coming on the show, man, spending some time with us. Appreciate you, dude. Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. It's been a lot of fun. I always love talking about this stuff, so. Yeah, man. Well, uh, with that, uh, this is Dan Wynn signing off.